0: We spoke about it before that Queens is the number two scoring offense. Can you take a guess who's number one? The York Lions? Shockingly, no. Ah.
1: Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. The OUA semifinals are upon us and this week we have the three best friends that anybody could have. It's the three best friends that anybody could have. It's Nate. It's Tom Sterling as well on the preview pod. We figure we'll get the uh, full force of at the 55 uh, marching on our way through the playoffs. Uh, Nate, I was talking to you most recently. Tom, how you doing, my friend? You just called a heck of a game out in uh, Laurier. What are, you, what are you up to? How, how are things?
0: Things are great. Uh... I have to say I was a little surprised. I really thought that the Laurier-Carlton game was going to be the game to watch out of the three, and it ended up being probably the most boring, unless you were obviously a Laurier fan. So a bit of a crazy weekend, but it always seems to be the case. You can never truly predict OUA football to a certain degree. A
1: Laurier fan or a adamant Tom Sterling fan, which uh, was what kept me tuned into that game, despite the the the, the lopsidedness that game uh, presented us. Um, Nate, you left us or I left us with a, 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 a what's the word? A cliffhanger following our review podcast and. Um, you know have you just been just seeming like how how's that been i i you know i i like to think our friendship has blossomed ever since you know we first met in, in in the defeat i suffered to at your hands in kingston all the way back those seven years ago in 2015 um you know how, how are we doing with that i left you hanging there how are you doing my
2: friend uh good you know you see me, I'm in my chair. I haven't left it. I've been sitting here deliberating <laughs> for the past few days. I have, you know, some water around me, at least, that I've been rationing. So, I've uh, been a long time thinking about it, and I've changed my mind, actually, since the last time we spoke. So
1: About what? I don't know, and we'll find out. You have changed your sweater, too. You are no longer donning the U of T Varsity Blues gear. <laughs> Looks like uh, your, your program from, from Queens there, you're rocking uh We'll get into so we can get into some uh, promotion for the various uh, faculties these schools have. Maybe some off offseason content in the fallow periods of the OUA, but it is at the the prime content time in the OUA. We have the semifinal matchups. It's down to the four. It's the four teams as we were mentioning. Sort of wrapping up the pod: Western, Queens, Ottawa, Laurier. The four teams that uh we're pretty clearly through halfway through this year uh the the, the best of the bunch and uh I, you know i don't know who you'd rather be seeing in these matchups at this point as far as just the raw talent available so let's uh let's spare no more time setting up these matchups and dive right into them We'll start with the first one listed because uh, (laughs) there's no other way to discern them. It's Ottawa at Queens. um, One o'clock start here from Richardson Stadium. Rematch from what was that in week two, that monsoon of a game that um, was at the same time for someone whose bedtime is usually 930. uh, A bit of a tough slog for me to stay up to... Oh, I don't even know if I made it all the way through. It ended around almost midnight, but at the same time, it was kind of cool. It was a Saturday night, and there was OUA football on the screen uh, late into uh, into the wee hours of the morning. The final score in that game was Queens 26, Ottawa 16 from TD Place. So that game, September the 3rd, so we're about two months removed from there. Uh... Nate, your alma mater here with the Golden Gales, uh, you were at their game versus Toronto in the quarterfinal. When you look at these two teams, going back those near two months now, and you look at where they are in this, in this now rematch uh, for an opportunity to go to the Yates Cup, How do you sort of see how these two teams have risen, fallen? I feel like both teams have taken steps forward, perhaps in recent weeks. We might have some differing opinions on just their more the most recent games. How are you thinking about these two teams now in reflection
2: on that game two months ago? Uh, I think it depends how strong your recency bias is, because I mean, just looking at it point blank, you know, Queens with a comfortable win, Ottawa with a really stressful performance. Um, on the weekend but you know I think you want to look at the these things in totality Um, and going back to week two you know it was a game where Ottawa was up at halftime don't forget you know what I mean and is now a Queens team uh, without the veteran leadership and and talismanic presence of James Keenan Um, and we saw last week that it, it bit Queens a little bit with the pick six that kept Toronto in the game for for the better part of three quarters so um, I don't think this is as, as straightforward as many people think. I know not to, to you know, jump ahead, but the line I think was opened at 11 points. And, you know, I think this one could end up being a lot closer than that. I think um, just based off of how these teams have performed over the course of the season where we are now.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, obviously, I it's because of the massive rain delay, Like I think that's worth taking into the consideration of just what a... How hard it is to regroup from that type of a break in the middle of a game and then get back out there and and get your thing going. But, you know, Tom, when you look at these two teams in that game, and these are teams that they have a ton of stuff going for them. But there's one thing that we've been pretty confident in. Once again, aside from maybe, as Nate mentioned, if you want to invoke a little recency bias with Ottawa having a few shaky defensive performances. These teams have been stellar defensively. Now, looking at the offenses from this game, we have the, the talismanic James Keenan, as Nate um, referred to him, uh, going 13 for 25 in this one and for 173 and a touchdown. And that's obviously not what we expect from him week in, week out when he's healthy. On the other side, Ben Miracle, 12 for 27, 186, a TD and two interceptions. Okay, not great. Rainy day, so maybe you look at the run game. Anthony, and
2: we, aren't, so- we aren't 100% on, sorry, just to cut, yeah. I don't mean to cut you no, off, no, no, we're, no, we're not 100% on that we're not 100% on that. You know, we we still are kind of in the dark with the with the James Keenan situation. Oh, but.
1: absolutely, absolutely. But and, and and no valid point um and the run game Anthony Soles, 96 uh, Keenan 54 of his own Simon Kendall on the other side 63 yards Miracle 63 yards of his own rushing. But nonetheless, you know, wh- whether it's Keenan whether it's Reek, and kind of looking back on that game, the rain, all these things um and thinking about the matchup that we have on our hands now, is this going to be, do you see this as a battle of two staunch defenses going at each other? Or do you feel like these offenses are going to, you know, not knowing who's going to be at quarterback for the Golden Gales, is this going to be a bit more um, explosive, perhaps like we saw in in both these teams perform, um, you know, putting up 40 plus in their quarterfinal games.
0: Mm -hmm. I have something of a, confession to make on this it is semi-final time here we have had weeks and weeks and weeks of watching football I don't know what to make of this Ottawa GG team there are times where they seem to be best of the best top tier in the OUA playing their butts off and everything and then there there are other times where I would almost put them in the same tier as a Windsor-Carlton-Toronto because of the way that they're playing and the inconsistencies that I've really seen here. And I know that's a hot take, and I know that both you and Nate have your eyes wide kind of looking at me, but I don't know what to think of this team. Certain cases, they show up to play, they really perform well and everything else. And then there's other times, and you see a staunch defense struggle against Windsor. And Windsor, nothing against them. They played their their hearts out and everything but it's an eight hour drive to Ottawa and you have James Peter who should be the OUA defensive player of the year, and you still allow 40 points. I just don't know what to say. Now there is something to say about the fact that they win no matter what they play, no matter how close the game is, they win games. They beat McMaster. They came away with a close one in Windsor to start off the year. They win games. And ultimately that's all anybody remembers. I just don't know about this team. I don't know how good they are on any given day. I know the potential that they have, and I know how good that they can be. But I just feel like it's not the same Ottawa team every single time. I think in in the first game that they played against Queens, if there's no weather delay, that game is very close. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ottawa actually came away with that one with the way that they were playing the first half. And then, you know, you play against a team like McMaster, And McMaster's, you know, they were a good team, whatever. But, like, it comes down to a a Hail Mary that Mac almost ties the game. Like, I was just expecting that to be an explosion of Ottawa offense, like just showcasing how well they can do. I just don't know about this team. On the other side of things, Queens, Breakin has a lot of questions for sure. But I just, Ottawa mystifies me. Let's just say that.
1: (laughs) It, it was it was the Carlton th- comp that really I think uh, <laughs> I was I was trying to hide my smirk behind the microphone here to not sort of distract you, but clearly my eyes gave it away. You, you know, I'll, hey, I, I think I said something in his effect to, to Nate on uh, on Monday. I they they kind of. They broke my heart a little bit against Windsor. And that's not to take anything away from Windsor. Windsor's I mean, it's so exciting to see what they can have in store for next year. The Western game, very disappointing. But, you know, maybe they uh, looked at it as if, like, well, are we going to beat them by 17 points? No, do we want to, you know, pull every trick out of the hat or what have you to just scrape by to get a win so we can, on paper, say we were just as good, but, you know or no, sorry, no, I, I'm i not, sorry, I shouldn't make the same mistake I made on the pod when we first broke it down, but since Queens ended up beating, no, nah, I'm getting all confused now, nonetheless, nonetheless, as Nate tacitly nods in agreement that I'm, I'm going all over the place here, yeah, no, I mean, to that point, going back to that, that recency bias point, is this just, two little stumbles and if it is two stumbles it's it should be noted it's it's played at home and nate you were just privy to um you know richardson stadium at near full force uh for a playoff game no doubt it'll be well you know uft obviously there's a lot of tradition in that matchup so i'm sure like that you know made it a pretty cool environment um i i guess i'll whatever i'm getting to i'll also ask like whether you're going to this game but like how much of an x-factor is that knowing that like they've kind of had two stumbles at home, and now they're going to Richardson Stadium, which someone, some bozos told me is the best stadium in all of you sports. How much of a factor are you weighing into that for this game, knowing as well their first matchup was in Ottawa?
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely plays a factor. I think, you know, it's somewhere where they've, it's become a bit of a fortress um, lately, obviously, you know, and, and, you know, it never, that place never looks full because it holds 10,000, but, you know, I could tell you it still, it still gets quite loud. Um, and it's, it's when the team's good, the, the local fans show up and it does make a difference, but, and in general, what stood out to me and kind of being there live is how confident this team is and how confident the sideline is. And I think that plays like such a huge factor in kind of, um, being on the other side of that and, and just kind of seeing when they make a play, how they fly around and get all excited. Like that makes it like a really big difference. Um, and I know that Ottawa defense can do the same thing, but when you're at home and, you know, they make the play and next thing you know, the band's playing and the speakers going off playing music and people are excited, you know, it does make a big difference to your psyche. So um, while I don't think that's going to necessarily make a difference in the game, I think, you know, it does absolutely, it's going to play a large factor.
1: Okay. So at this point, I guess we're getting pretty close to, 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 to the picks. Um, I suppose the last thing I kind of want to throw out, and I kind of alluded to this in my opening kind of statement about this game. Um, what is the likelier of? I won't say like all I guess eight outcomes or six outcomes as a result, but close matchup, Queen's victory or a tight matchup, one finishing one way or the other, or a blowout one one way or the other. What's what's the more likelier in this one, Tom? I'll pass it over to you for this one. You obviously express some of your concerns with this Ottawa team, freaking young quarterback, but now he's got a playoff game under his belt. A very veteran uh, Queen's team on the whole run game that doesn't really seem to stop for anyone except for the York Lions In um, Nate Hobbs's uh, uh professional opinion. Um, <laughs> what seems like the more likely outcome, perhaps saving which team you're saying will end up on which side of the ledger, unless you want to open it up to who you're taking in this matchup as well.
0: Yeah. I just, like I said, I have a lot of questions about this Ottawa team, but I think at the core, this is a very, it's a good team. They've got really solid players around them. When Ben Miracle is playing, he's right up there with some of the best quarterback play that we've seen in the OUA. It's not always as consistent, but when you've got a star running back like JP Simakinda, who in my opinion should be the OUA MVP, that kind of helps balance some things out. I think if anything, it's going to be a tight game, but I'm, much closer to thinking that it might be a blowout than I thought it would be. But I think ultimately it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be two close teams. Um, But something like, you know, just looking at some of the stats and looking at the games from last week, obviously, you know, Ottawa comes away with a huge fumble recovery touchdown and that's what ends up winning the game and everything else. You look at the game, Ottawa forces Windsor into three safeties If Windsor can get out of their own end and punt rather than taking the safety, that's six points, folks. That's the game, even without the fumble. So that game was very much in the hands of these Windsor Lancers if some things were able to go their way. Now, what separates the good teams from the great teams is you find a way to win. But like the margin for winning was so close in that Ottawa game, even despite only winning by three points. I just really wanted to to say that because I noticed that and it just blew my mind.
1: Nate, I'll throw the same thing at you as well. I'll also mention one of the things that really stood out in this game is going back to last week's quarterfinal for Ottawa was, you know, only eight penalties, which, you know, is not high, too much higher above their season average. But, you know, not all penalties are created equal, equal and it added up to I think it was 85 yards ultimately where on average they're hanging just under 60 per game Um, so in addition to as as Tom was saying some of the smaller things like getting to pin uh, Windsor deep forcing those safeties perhaps shooting themselves in the foot a couple turnovers um, does that feel more like an outlier or you know we just saw Queens whether you want to say force well let me flip we just saw U of T Uh, play a game in which they ended up with 17 penalties knowing that Ottawa was a little less than their normal self in that department against Windsor is that something worth considering going into this one that maybe some of the screws are a little looser that they're a little rough around the edges right now for whatever reason or do you think that that was a bit of an outlier and they'll tighten it up coming in this one
2: I mean maybe but for me this is really comes down to I think the Ottawa defense in the Queen's office, because, you know, I feel really good about where the Queen's defense is right now. I think they've been unbelievable for several weeks. Um, You know, you look at the game last week, you look at the game against Laurier. um, They've just been so consistent and and so, you know, I'm going to use the word menacing to describe them. It's a team I I would absolutely hate to play against. Um, But I think, you know, the opportunity lies for Ottawa Is A, you you can't turn the ball over on offense. That's something that absolutely killed them last week. You know, you're able to survive against Windsor, but you don't have a chance against this Queens team if you're going to turn the ball over like you have. Um, So, I mean, play safe, lean on your MVP candidate, and, and, you know, let Ben facilitate like he's done so well throughout the year. Um, And you're going to keep it close for your defense to pull this one out for you, because that's what I think is going to come down. Um, You know, because you're going to have a young quarterback, you have this great Ottawa secondary, you have Kim Victone back there, you have guys that can make plays. um, And... Like when it really comes down to what I think about Queens, it's going to be – you're going to know the outcome of this game in the third quarter Um, because I saw last week against Toronto. Toronto had a chance to take the lead in the third quarter. Next drive, Queens was on them and the game was over just like that. You go back to the Laurier game, 13-12, you know, at halftime, going to third quarter, same thing. Queens bust a couple long runs and they just are able to outlast their opponent. Go back to the initial time these guys played. Ottawa at the halftime third quarter Queens comes out and I just think it's it, it comes down to those backs and th- that O-line that's so big and physical and the rotation of backs I think it gets to a point where a team just gets worn down um, and I think it's going to come down to if Ottawa can basically survive that and cause a couple turnovers um, but given kind of the marathon they went through last weekend and, and how fresh Queens was able to finish that game that's not necessarily something I would bet on but um, I definitely feel nervous about the turnover aspect in this Ottawa defense. I don't think there are no slouches over there. And I think it could cause problems for sure for a young quarterback.
1: Yeah, and, and I think we did kind of mention how in some regards Ottawa having that you I mean, it's classic sports commentary. You could talk about their win against Windsor as being like, well, is the emotion of that comeback and the sort of the sort of wild finish to it? Is that too much to bounce back from and come back down to the level to prep for an even tougher opponent now? Or do you say or do you frame it in the context of this is a tougher opponent who hasn't been challenged and, well, you know, they had that Mac game um, uh, not too long ago, but ultimately um, uh, an unchallenged opponent in their first playoff game and maybe that is some kind of rabbit in the hat, ace up your sleeve to be able to say that no we've overcome some pretty significant like uh, adversity we've played our worst two games we, we probably won't play worse than that and we still came with a win in the in our first playoff game nonetheless Um, he, at this point I'll, I'll I'll get the ball rolling with the actual uh, picks um, I suppose and feel free to add in any more commentary as as we go and kind of off of what you were saying there Nate and this is what we've said ad nauseum about both Queens and um, about Western sort of irrespective of the opponent, which is that, yeah, you can hang with them, but at a certain point, man, they are going to just break your soul. And as good as this running game has been for Ottawa with JP Kinda and Almakar Polk's had some, you know, outings that have been impressive. It's not the running game that Queens has. JP is the arguably the best running back and, with the performance at Ottawa's had as a whole, the most valuable player in the province, but that stable of backs that that the Golden Gales has and the fact that on the whole, they're rushing for almost, I think, over 50 yards more per game. You mentioned that defense being as stout as they were and, man, just seeing how we want to compare Queens and Western defensively but western was able to do really with little added you know tricks so to speak to slow down that ottawa offense two weeks ago um i'm i'm keeping it chalk on this one uh i'm going with the the, the home favorite here in, in the golden gales Nate, I'll go to you next, just so you don't feel peer pressured in the event that Tom is aligned with me to pick against perhaps where you would otherwise want to go. No, uh,
2: no. Hey, <laughs> I could I could I could never do that. I could never do that for the record. But I think, no, for me, for me, it's going to be Queens, too. And, you know, I think there's a case for Ottawa. I think I've mentioned those points and kind of the breakdown, but you know, I think at the end of the day, it's been a couple of really weird weeks for Ottawa going back to sort of the Western game and the one last week against Windsor. And I just feel way more confident about this Queens team, uh, especially, you know, the defense, I think their ability to really carry them when things go South um, makes a difference. You know, the only thing I will add to that, you know, kind of a lasting piece is kind of this, the Ottawa Gigi's are they do factor, you know, cause what they played three times last year. And then yeah. another time this year, it's, It's hard. It's hard to beat a team several times in a row and seeing the same scheme and players and staff several times in a row. So you know, that makes me, you know, think about things a little bit. But for me, I I feel pretty comfortable in picking Queens here. Yeah.
1: 0 for 5 in the span of two years is a pretty tough pill to swallow. But so far, two of the three of us are saying that is the case. Tom, where does your heart, where does your brain, where your picks lie for this game?
0: Something that I wasn't, I, I'm sorry. I obviously know that Queens is a dominant team that they've re, been really great. James Keenan has been phenomenal. Alex and whatever else. Uh, did you know that Queens is the number two scoring offense in the entire country, even with a backup quarterback, with that running game that they have the number two scoring offense in the country that shines through Queens wins at home and uh, I think we we really, and Nate, you broke this down beautifully. I think we see the benefit of the big boys that Queens has up front and the stable of backs that they have in the back end. And exactly like you said, even if this game is close in that first half, even if Ottawa is winning, if they don't capitalize in the third quarter, Queens wins and they could win big. But yeah, I'm going with the Golden Gales. Well, I did not know that about Queens, but it
1: certainly helps when you score 172 points in a three week span in the mid to late <laughs> season. Um, but hey, they, they, they're they the ones scoring those points. So, you know, all the power to them. So it's a Golden Gales across the board. Um, oh, well, you broke my heart. But, you know, hey, if you pull off the victory, hey, more power to you. Um, that brings us to our other semifinal matchup with which fittingly enough, I suppose is another week to rematch when we saw the Laurie Goldenhawks open up their regular season. Once again, we're flipping the script. Home is away, away is home. This is going to be here in London, Ontario, where the Wilford Laurie Goldenhawks will be taking on the undefeated Western Mustangs coming off the sole bye week the OUA was offering up this week. Start where we did with the last one. A little retrospective going back to that week two matchup. Final score on that one was Western 34, Laurier 19. I believe we did have delays in this game as well, though perhaps not as significant in the Ottawa-Queens game. uh, uh, In the Ottawa-Queens game, game that at the half, 21 to 13 for Western and then kind of that same recipe. And I feel like a broken record saying it, but it really just is how these teams end up dominating in the Westerns and, and the, the, the Queens of the world where it's like you can hang around with them, but man, it's so hard to stay there for four quarters. Um, when we look at back at this matchup, it, you know, I was speaking to a, a coach um, affiliated with Western this week and you know, kind of talking about this matchup, talking about how great Laurier looked, and Tom obviously you calling that game, uh, no doubt want to get some of your insights of being their best seat in the house. Um, but a coach I was speaking with affiliated with Western saying, "Oh, they they feel they left a lot of points on the board going back to that week two matchup, and you know historically, if you're ever gonna beat Western, ironically, and Tom, you brought this up a couple weeks ago." It's either going to be in a Yates Cup, but that obviously just speaks to the number of Yates Cups they play in, or it's early early in the season. That seems to be a thing. They lost to Guelph last year week one. I remember it was a couple years ago. They lost to Carlton in like week one, week two. I mean, they don't lose many games to begin with. So, I mean, it's just if you're ever going to beat them, it's early in the season. So... You know, an impressive game, Nate. You gave yourself a nice pal on the back, uh, in our 2022 recap pod, saying that it was actually after this game, not after the um, well, any other Laurier games where you're like, no, no, this team is legit. Was it Western in the early throws of the season, still getting their you know what's in gear as we've perhaps seen in a few years for them? How much did the rain factor? All these things. Tom, um, out of the three of us, you've been the most closely linked with this Golden Hawk team. Watching, though the game itself wasn't the most impressive, they were the most impressive team of the six playing last week, I think is a fair argument to make. What do you make of this rematch from, once again, two months ago in what I'm sure many people are picking to be uh, another stepping stone in Western's trip to a Yates In way of then hosting the vanier cup in three four weeks time
0: obviously anytime you play in the earlier the earlier part of the season versus the latter part of the season you're going to get better things are going to get a little smoother and things i don't know that there's been a team in the oua and feel free to correct me if you think that i'm wrong that has had a more significant jump of getting better from the start of the season to the end of the season than these Laurier Golden Hawks. And I think that's kind of showcased in the last game that we just saw. Laurier looked dominant against a Carlton team that I thought was seemed to be pretty good. I think the big thing that happened, and I really want to give a shout-out to Todd Galloway, the offensive coordinator for Laurier. My he guy. had a great call of a game he changed up certain play calls so that carlton could never get into a rhythm as soon as they seemed like they were going to crowd the box and try to limit quinton scott it was a big throw over the top i think taylor elgasma connected with three out of his four uh, starting receivers and almost connected with nick peterman twice on big plays unfortunately kind of went incomplete. and like you said potential for catch of the year in Raiden Thorne. That was an unbelievable play and body control and under to understand where he was, make that catch, get his toes in bounds. And although he only needs one, he got both feet in bounds, which was uh, just fantastic to kind of see, but he never gave Carlton a sense of, okay, you know, we're expecting run on first down, for example, or whatever the case, he always switched things up. As soon as they were getting into something where, you know what, we got a blitz. It was a quick screen. It was a draw play. He had Carlton on their heels the entire game. And I really wanted to give that shout out to Todd Galloway because a lot of times, obviously we get a chance to talk about the players on the field, but he, he played great. That doesn't really matter unless you've got the athletes there as well. And Taylor Elgersma looked like a fifth year player. He was standing in the pocket when he knew he was going to get hit. He was throwing darts. Like every, I don't think I saw a pass that wasn't, catchable for his receivers. And most of them were right in the bread basket. Like it was a real treat to be able to see that on the other side of things, like with this Carlton team, you know, Laurie should have won that game for sure, but we don't see Tanner DeYoung really go off and he doesn't get the opportunity to. So I think the score is a little bit um, not as indicative as the quality of the teams that were there. Like Laurie goes up and they start scoring almost at will in that first half. And then Carlton, three drives in a row, goes two and out and runs the ball. And as soon as you get the ball into t- to Tanner DeYoung's hands, he's rolling out of the pocket, getting away from pressure, throwing on the on the run, throwing darts to Tristan Reddy and to the rest of his receivers. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I, you know, we We're sitting in the box sitting next to some of the Carlton coaches and they were not happy. And I don't think that there was, you know, there wasn't against each other. I want to make that clear. I'm not trying to start any rumors or anything like that, but it was very clear that the expectation that was on the field for Carlton was not what they showcased there. So while Laurier was completely dominant, I think there was a lot left to be said from Carlton at the very least. Now flipping that. Uh they Carlton's gotten better, don't get me wrong, but Western is Western. And very it's interesting because it is very similar in certain aspects to Queens, where they have a dominant offensive line, some really great backs, not nearly as many as Queens does, but with Edward Winati and Keon Edwards, you don't really need any more bodies than that. So it's Laurier has gotten a lot better since that week two matchup, but unfortunately, so did Western.
1: Yeah, honestly, at first when you were talking about a team getting so much better from the start of the season and transitioned into talking about Laurie, first thing I was like, dear God, is this the way you're going to set up talking about Western? Because arguably you could make that point. And you talked about how with guys like Jordan and uh, Thorne, Peterman, McAlpine, they have some incredible deep ball threats. And Nate, you were on that as well in our recap pod from last week. But you also highlighted that Western is just going to be like, cool, we're not going to let you go deep on us. Um, we obviously, we spoke about this game a little bit, having a little more time to sort of think about it, break it down a little bit. Um, knowing what, what Laurier does so effectively, do you think they're going to have to change up their game plan a little bit? Or do you think they're going to have to just be, you know, 10 toes in and be like, this is the way we've gotten to where we are. We're gonna have to, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. It's, you know, it's, there's no other way to go into this other than saying, "Hey, let's let's rush the ball, run some of our zone slice action, and then if we catch them bringing pressure, we're gonna try and hit them deep."
2: Yeah, I mean, you can't really deviate too far from from what you've done, and I think, you know, it's gonna depend on the flow of the game as well. Like when I look back, at sort of, you know, when Wester's lost over the years, it hasn't a lot of times been because of some some tremendous. You know offensive performance and a team just completely outscoring western a couple of close calls with trey young over the past couple of years alas he was unable to prevail but i think you got to kind of create a, a messy game on defense and on offense that means you know you can't have two and outs You're plain and simple you know what i mean that's where teams get into trouble and we've again we talked about the physicality in the backs already but that's what kills you Is not just that in a vacuum and oh that's going to do it all by itself is when you go out on the field and you know you give up a safety, for example, or you get on the field right after they score and you go two and out, and those things compound over time, and that's how the game really is gonna get away from you. So, like for me, if I'm a laureate, you know, you're gonna have to have a couple big shot plays in your arsenal. Um, and it's not gonna be entirely from pressure over the years. Western's not a big pressure team. Um, you know, they show it every now and then, but it is definitely not their bread and butter, definitely not as much as Carlton does it, for example um but you're going to have to you know cook a couple things up and you mentioned Galway a guy who's beat been a couple times in the past you know if i'm not mistaken so i can um, confirm yes drop... he did yes 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 so you're going to have to drop a couple things to get guys open but for me what's most important is being consistent and even when you're not going to score man you have to move the ball you have to win the field position game you know we're at the point in the year when it's going to be cold it's going to be windy and you know you got to be solid and, and kind of make a mess of it on defense for me
1: yeah, you know, I, 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 going back again to the the Ottawa game because I will not accept Tom putting Carlton in the comparison of teams, maybe on the level with Ottawa, but I think Laurie is an apt. Team. And obviously, when we saw them play each other, the game itself bears out that that's a valid comparison as well. Just as a reminder, Tom Ottawa beat Carlton by thirty points. But you know, there's some there's, there's some weird things happen this year. Anyways, I'll, I'll move past it. But going back to the Ottawa Western game, where to what you were saying there, Nate, where it's like Ottawa goes three and out on or two and out on their first possession, and then before you know it, yeah, it's only ten nothing at the end of the first quarter or whatever it was and still relatively manageable going to the half but like Ottawa just didn't have the ball at all and they weren't able to get anything going and at the end of the game there's a 17 minute time of possession gap in here and so I guess part of me thinks that you know, obviously Laurier's shown to be very effective both running the ball and passing the ball. Whether it, you know, seems more likely the case that they feed the pass game off their run game, as a lot of teams likely do. There's part of me thinking, you know, hey, there's a good chance that it kind of like Tom was mentioning with Carlton really sticking to that run game early where it's like, you just i mean it's Canadian football you know three downs it makes it really tough and so if there's a good chance against such a stout defense in western that even if the run game is arguably stronger than your pass game and that your pass game is 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 fueled by your run game that if you're a Laurier maybe you're thinking hey you know what there's a good chance if we just start with our run game maybe we can pick up a first down but there's a pretty good chance just statistically this could be a tune out what if we just go for some shots off the jump? If they fall and come, you know, make them balls that make it set it up so it's like it's either we're catching it for a big hitter. And just kind of putting them on their heels briefly, or no one's catching it type situations. I don't. I'm not a offensive scheme guy in the past game to know what those combos would be or what those concepts would look like. Because you know what, it's very likely that even in your sort of more traditional attack, which would be hey, let's let's get Quentin Scott going, let's get Tanner Nellums going a little bit, and then we'll open up the playbook a little bit more. That you still might not have that all that opportunity. I just worry that it could be similar with this pass game in Auto where. Hey, you know, it might not be a blowout early, but it's like you haven't touched the ball all that much. And yeah, it could be close, but you got to get your mojo going a little bit. Tom, any, think, any, oh, yeah, no, Nate,
2: Yeah, you, you take it. I think it, you like, sorry to jump in, no, but please. like the recipe for me, let's, let's go back to those Windsor Lancers, baby. When they, they rolled into London and everyone was uh, keeping an eye on that score because it was close for most of the game. You know, Western, again, uh, you know, it's deja vu every time we talk about Western and Queens, but they can't, they ran away with it in the end guys, spoiler alert, but um, when they kept it close early in the game, it's because, you know, again, Windsor was able to move the ball. And I just remember that second and third quarter while the game was close, Western was just stuck in their own end forever and giving up safeties and just, they couldn't get out. And, you know, that's why the game was close for so long. So like, if you're able to back them up and keep them there, then that's another big thing. As well. And obviously, you know, having a, you had a hope, hope for some turnover luck as well, because they can be prone to do it. You know, that Windsor game was kicked off, right? They're scoring um, by, what was it? A bad punt snap that gave them the ball at the one yard line. So, um, you know, Western certainly has has made their mistakes against Laurier over the years, let's say. I'm thinking about one game in particular. So it's, it's, it's not out of the cards completely.
1: Yeah, what was that? A double reverse, something or something or something. Uh, and was that Windsor? They're,
2: was it? Uh, they're prone. They're prone to do stuff like that, man. They're prone to throw the ball when they don't need to. You know, it's, it's sometimes. You know, it,
1: it yeah. Happens Western stinks. What the heck? How do they keep? What is? What's the deal with this team, Tom? Um, t- I mean, take it in any direction you, you want to go, but I mean, in that sort of theme of, I guess, does Laurier is is there any? Do they just have to come out and hope for their best game and hope for, as Nate was kind of saying, maybe some like weird shenanigans on the part of Western and shoot themselves in the foot, which we obviously have, you know, it's been known to happen historically. We've seen it a few times this year. Maybe you get some advantageous bounces and specials to have it in a situation where like you're pinning them deep for a while. Maybe netting that into maybe a couple singles, a couple deuces, um, to you know get you some points going, get a little bit of that mojo going. Um, or do you feel like maybe Lori has to maybe be a little more aggressive off the jump to you know really spice things up um, in, in lieu of I mean you've obviously seen them very uh, intimately how they like to run their offense in, in lieu of you know maybe more ground and pound now we open up the pass
0: game I think to beat these western mustangs two things need to happen a laurie needs to have the best game of the year on both sides of the ball And B, they have to win every opportunity that comes up. Now, what I mean by that is that in every single game, there are certain almost jump ball opportunities where, hey, maybe a fumble might pop out. Who's going to recover it? Maybe there's a bad snap here or there. Maybe there's something that happens that comes down to who's in the game at that particular play. To beat Western, you need to win those opportunities. And the scary thing is there's a lot of teams where if you can get something like that, like you can get a fumble recovery for a touchdown, or you can get a pick six or something along those lines, it can deflate the other team and almost, you know, TSN turning point of the game. That's it. Almost game over. With Western, you need to do that like four or five times. There needs to be four TSN turning points in that game because they keep coming back. Coach Marshall, always has his team ready to go in the right kind of mindset so that they never give up and they're always trying to score. There's never a time when you put the Western Mustangs away. No matter what the score is, no matter how late in the game it is, they always continue to keep going. You need to have your best game that you have had all year and you need to win those jump ball scenarios. That's how you beat Western. Now, Western on the if both teams are playing their best games, Western wins this for sure. I think they have the better bodies. They have the better talent. That just comes down to that. However, they're not unbeatable at home in the playoffs, especially in the Yates cup, as we've seen, you know, 2019, obviously they lost to McMaster 2016. They lost to these Laurier Golden Hawks coached by coach Michael Falls, going back home to London. So, is it out of the realm of possibility? Absolutely not. I think Laurier has the capabilities to win this game along with a little bit of luck and a little bit of those jump balls, like I said. But it's a mountain in front of these Golden Hawks.
1: I, You know, you talking about you never put Western away. I had to just, you know... <laughs> And <laughs> dive into the OUA archives. The Unfortunately, the week before your marauders took us out in 2014, we may have put them away to the tune of 51-26 in that OUA semifinal game uh, that we were hosting in Guelph. And I obviously, uh, you know... That was that was pretty darn good. Guelph team still couldn't get past your stupid Marauders, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't wait till we can get our hands on some old old film and just really turn into three old guys talking about uh, days past. Um, I mean, we all right. So we we talked about how how much these two teams have come along. I think that's a great point. At, at top strength, this is a, a it's obviously it's Western's game to lose. Sort of regardless of all those things. Um, Traditionally, Lori's had some of those playmakers um, on defense. They still have a guy in Shamari Hutchison, and I would love if, if it ended up being him being the guy winning some of those 50-50 balls um, to really um, swing the balance, those kind of quick change moments, if you will, to kind of turn the tides. Um, and it's and you know it's 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 a, it's a bit of a banged up western team. I mean Hellock doesn't seem like that's going to be an issue. It turned out it was, it was non-throwing non-throwing arm, but that offensive line was a little banged up towards the end of the year. Ah, uh, but I just I don't I don't see western drop this one at home. Laurier, nonetheless, you know, kind of like we said with Windsor, that loss at Ottawa was a, a positive step forward for their program. And I think for Laurier, taking care of business against Carlton and moving into this game and probably I think we're all in agreement that I don't you know, I don't think it'll be like a, from whistle to whistle, just steamrolling um, that they'll be ex- they'll definitely be positives to take away from this for them to move into next year as a team that as you know They're losing a few pieces on defense, um, and I don't know whom, whomever else, but ultimately a pretty young team built around a guy who's going to be competing for OUA MVPs in years to come and Taylor Algrisma that, hey, you know what, this is a game at the end of the day, win or lose, and I'm saying lose, will be a building block towards a very, very um, interesting future for them, um, but that future is not here just right now. Um, I guess we'll, well, I'll pass it. Well, Nate, I'll do We'll just in, in all fairness, uh, final thoughts on this one. Where are you leading?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think the youth of Lori is a, a great point as well. And, you know, Al-Gumar, I think was he second year of eligibility or something like that. Jordan and, and, uh, Thorne, I think are still got at least a year or two ahead of them as well. Um, And I think, man, like even in close games this year with Laurier, I, you know, I just, I have, you know, the Ottawa game, they couldn't pull it out. The Queens game they had close, you know, and that one got away from them. And it just doesn't make me feel great about their chances. I do think it's possible, but where the team's at right now, I just, I don't think they have necessarily the magic to get it done. And, and, you know, I think Weston rolls in this one. Tommy.
0: Tommy. We spoke about it before that Queens is the number two scoring offense. Can you take a guess who's number one? The York Lions? Th- Shockingly, no. Ah. It would be the Purple Ponies. Ooh. And that comes to play here. I think they kind of showcased the scary depth that they have as well against Ottawa, if nothing else. Zach Fry is down, and they have a backup in there who – like you said in the in one of the recap podcasts, Zach, uh, I didn't notice that Zach <laughs> Fry wasn't down. Like it, they were just business as usual. Evan Hillock goes down. And then you have Jackson White, who has real game time experience from his time at McMaster, who knows how to win and can win with these ponies. And then if anything else, you've got Keon Edwards, Edward Winati, and that monstrous <laughs> offensive line up front. That's... Pulls these Western Mustangs away. They get the win in London and host a Yates Cup. Yeah, you
1: know, if all else fails, you got arguably the guy who should have won MVP last year. Maybe he'll win it this year, and then a guy as his backup that's as good as anyone else in the province. Yeah, if, 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 if nothing else is working well, he doesn't. You know, just see what, see what they could do. Um, yeah, and but you know what? Like, I know I've I've brought this uh, Stew Langism up a number of times, but um like Laurie is like so on that perfect trajectory of uh, you know, a young team where last year losing some of those 50, 50 games this year, they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, playing tight, but losing to some of the teams that are arguably a bit ahead of them. Nate, you kind of highlighted some of those games where they weren't able to, you know, sort of seal the deal. And if this is where it ends for them now, it's just so exciting to see next year. If they end up on the positive end of some of those 50, 50 games and then, You know, taking a real shot at the at at the champ, Um, whomever that may be, because we're still two weeks away from crowning our 2022 Yates Cup champion. But in our eyes, it'll be one of Queens and Western, and uh, you know, talking about rematches. Of course, that's not a rematch from the stellar uh, game earlier this year, but from the 2021 game, which Tom has been saying from our preview pod of the whole season, Queens has been wearing a chip on their shoulder from that episode. A gentleman. Any last words before uh, we dive into these OUA semifinals, Tom? Um, what's just whether it's the number one thing you're looking for, or just what you're looking forward to? Mostly like OUA semifinals. It's, it's 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 at the same time so exciting, but at the same time bittersweet in the moment. It's like, oh, we we only have four more teams. We only have two more OUA games. Pardon me, three more OUA games to watch. What are you thinking about?
0: Yeah every time you go into the OUA playoffs, it's exciting because you get the best that the conference has to offer, but it also signals that it's starting to come to an end, which does bring a tear to my eye. But uh, I'm hoping that both of these games end up being like a Windsor-Ottawa. I would love to see all four teams score 40-plus points and they come down to the wire to see who's going to win. I think both teams, both of these games have the capabilities to be close, at least at certain parts of the game, but both of these teams, in my opinion, also have the capabilities to be blowouts if Ottawa and Laurier do not bring their a a game. I think Queens and Western are really humming along right now, and I don't want. Like I said, Ottawa and Laurier have the capabilities. There is the possibility any team on any given Saturday in this in this kind of case, but it's a big mountain in front of you for both of these away teams and uh, Western and Queens are on the right track for a historic rematch in the Yates cup.
1: Yeah, I can just, I can already just see Hutchison scooping and scoring for 60 to give Laurie the lead late in that game. Uh, (laughs) Oh my goodness. I am so excited to clip that little piece of audio. If somehow that actually comes to fruition, Nate penultimate weekend of OUA football. What are your
2: final thoughts on this one? Uh, I, I echo Tom's sentiments there. I mean, being so excited for the playoffs and now all of a sudden we only have three games remaining. of us. <laughs> it's It really goes like that. Uh, and talking about the blow and close games, I, you know, I just want to bring this up because I think there's, there's a, you know, at least we see a lot of this now in sports coverage and maybe people are sick of it. I know I'm a bit sick of it seeing my fan do all my TSN, uh, seemingly every other commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but, in, in just kind of building off that point of being a blowout or being a close game. Can I ask you guys to pick pick against the spread here just quickly? Oh can I can I do that? Yeah okay. So 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 Laurier Wesson, the spread is 26 and a half points. I picked the under L- L- I picked Laurier. Yeah, Laurier. Laurier to cover. Okay. Western Queens right now is at 12 and a half points. Wait, is that Ottawa Queens? Yeah.
1: Ottawa Queens. Yeah, my bad. Twelve and a half in Queens favor,
2: obviously. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Oh. I pick a, I pick Queens. I know they are your GG, yeah, Zach. I know, I know,
1: <laughs> I know. Oh. Ah. Uh. Golden Gales Golden Gales Let's go baby (laughs) Two touchdown Almost two touchdowns Victory Let's go I'm sorry Ottawa I'm sorry But you broke my heart I can't say I can't uh... Well okay I guess that's my opportunity To shut off the pod (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much Enjoy your OUA semifinals uh, Action Whatever you're doing Whether you're watching them live If you're live Obviously make sure to um, Tag us in any of your photos On social media And everything like that And our uh, our lovely trio will be back on Monday to break it all down for you at the 55